Yeah, we're in Genesis chapter 15. And uh, last week, our pastor covered the first six verses. And, and I, I just have to say, folks, if you were here and you heard that sermon, you were blessed. I mean, he did as good a job as I've ever heard anyone do on justification by faith. And let me just say, uh, I was, we were talking about this in my Sunday school class today. One of the things that I, I saw as a seminary professor and I've seen in other places is that most Sundays in a lot of churches, after people, after the service is over, too many people have roasted pastor for lunch. And what I mean is this. They find this little thing or that little thing to criticize. And, you know, um, the thing that I have seen is that all too many good pastors are criticized way too much. And the bad ones... On the other hand, they don't get enough criticism. So, um, yeah. So when he preaches a good sermon, let him know. Because pastors need encouragement. We have a good pastor. Amen? So, um, let's do a recap here of... Um, the first six verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and, and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I'll bring them bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. 
You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Now on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaim and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites, all those ites. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we need to see here is one of the, the, the most important things here is, is verse 5. And, and just for the context again, let's, let's look at um, verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and heir of my house as Eliezer of Damascus. Now, if you look at chapter 12 and you look at verse 7 here, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I'll give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. Now, he was 75 years old when he got this promise. And at this point, he ain't getting any younger. And he's thinking, when am I going to have a child? When am I going to have, when am I going to have offspring? I got this promise, but all I've got all I've got is Eliezer of Damascus. And, be, and Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look. And, and when you look at this in the Hebrew, how they use this word look, it gives the picture of look for a while. Look for a long time. Take it all in. He says, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, you know, there was just Abram and Sarai. And he doesn't even have Lot with him anymore. Because, you know, Lot is down there, you know, near Sodom. You know, he's, he's, he's not with Abram anymore. So he doesn't have any children and he's wondering, okay, Lord, you've you, you told me that I'm going to have children. When's this going to happen? Now, you know, I don't know about you. Maybe there's some of you that you've been asking the Lord for something for a while. Maybe children. Maybe a spouse. Maybe a new job. Maybe whatever it is. Folks, 
We serve a faithful God. And if we will trust Him, He's going to bring things to pass when it is time. Not before. Not after. But right on time. There used to be this commercial back in the the 80s. Paul Masson, remember him? We will serve no wine before it's time. And God is not going to give you what you're hoping for before it's time either. Because if he does, you might not be ready for it. You might not be able to handle it. We serve a God who knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need. He knows when we need it. And he knows how to give it to us. He says, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Now, one of the interesting things is, when you look at the Hebrews, one of the things that, that, that they, the way that they interpreted this is not only in terms of quantity. They viewed this in terms of quality as well. You see, the stars in the ancient world were thought to be, in many other cultures, as divine. And one of the things you see throughout the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, different places in the Old Testament, is that the, the, the stars are related to, to the angels. Okay? And one of the things that, that many of the Hebrew, the rabbis, the, the things that they wrote down was that they, they, they believed that basically that they were going to be as the stars, not only in terms of number, but in terms of quality, and we're going to be looking at that a, a little bit. I mean, because there are so many implications that we can only scratch the surface of this. Verse 6, And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. So he's reminding him of who he is. You know, I've been with you for a while now. You should know me. And, and here's the thing, folks. The longer you are in Christ, the more you should be growing more Christ-like. And the more you should be growing in your trust of him. He says, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Now, you know, if you or I were God, we'd say, doggone, what is wrong with this Abraham? He doesn't trust me. But God does not rebuke him. God is patient with him. 
just as he is with you and me. And you know, look, just because we're anxious sometimes doesn't mean that we have lost hope. doesn't mean that we are in sin. Once again, folks, we need to remember we have a patient and loving God, one who understands our weakness, one who cares about you and everything that is in your life. He says, But, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, you don't really see a whole lot of examples of this particular sort of um, of activity going on before. You know, you might think that it's you know some particular form of sacrifice or anything, but it's it, you know it, it was a custom in some areas, but it wasn't it wasn't something that you typically saw. That was done. And really, um, we only have one example um, like this mentioned in, in um, Scripture. And let's see, I think that's in um, Jeremiah. Let's see, I have this in my notes somewhere. Jeremiah chapter 34. So let's turn there real quick. Uh, let's see. Let's start with verse 17. Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and to his neighbor. And behold, I proclaim to you liberty to the sword, to pestilence, to famine, declares the Lord. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I'll make them like the calf that they cut in two and pass between its parts. So one of the ideas that we see here of this idea of taking these animals and cutting them in two and and placing them opposite each other is that the the participants of this covenant, this this treaty ceremony, would walk between them. And the idea is this. If you transgress that covenant, then you will become like one of these animals. You'll be torn in half. You'll be... Bad things will happen to you. Split in two. And so, one of the things that the Lord does is he tells him to get a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And, you know, normally they would just do one of these, but he does 
all of these. And it's really to emphasize just how serious this is. Not one animal, but all of these animals. Verse 11. When birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, this was taking some amount of time. Now, you know, I've never done any butchering. But I would imagine it takes quite a bit of time to take a heifer and to split it in half. I would imagine it takes quite a bit of time to take a female goat and cut it in half. I'd imagine it take quite a bit of time to do that with a ram and and then to get the turtle doves and the pigeons. I'd imagine that takes quite a bit of time. Now, you'll, one of the things you'll see is in verse 5 here, he says, look at the stars and count them if you're able to. Okay, So it's at night when he's first getting all this. So he has probably been working through the night, through the day. And in verse 12, one of the things it says, to, it says here is this, as the sun was going down. So basically, we're looking at over a day's activity. So in all this time, you've got the bodies of these animals, and let me tell you, The birds of prey, they're flying around, and they're looking for easy targets. And here you got the carcasses of all these animals laying on the ground. And so they're coming to get themselves an easy meal. And it says in verse 11 that when they came down, Abram drove them away. So this is a lot of work for this. Verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Now, you know, after all this activity, he falls into a deep sleep. And for the first time, one of the things you see here is that Abram is in dread. He's in fear of the presence of God. You don't see that in any other places where Abram interacts with God. Oh, he takes God very seriously. He has great respect for God. He, he, he knows he should be worshipped. And he does it. But you don't really see this kind of fear. Dread. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for four years 
That's not a comforting thought. Well, you and I know the rest of the story. And we know where they spent that 400 years. In Egypt. And it started off great. Because basically, it is Abram's great-grandson, Joseph, who's made you know, the second ruler in the kingdom. And one of the things that happens is, is that, you know, he, he acts as this, this, this great leader there and he brings the rest of the family there to Egypt. And then came the Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. And then things turned around. And they were enslaved for 400 years. Let's turn to um, let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter 46. And in Genesis chapter 46, one of the things um, we see is that Joseph brings his family to Egypt. And when you take a look at verse 27, it says, And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. And all the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were seventy. Seventy people total. And they go on to Egypt and they stay there for the next 400 plus years. Until God saves them. Until God intervenes. Look, folks. God is in control of every aspect of your life and my life if we belong to him. And he allows both the good things and the bad things to happen to us to conform us to the image of Christ, to prepare us to become the kind of people that he wants us to be. He says in verse, back in in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. And afterwards, but I will bring uh, bring judgment on that nation, and they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Um, let's see. Let's turn to um, Exodus. 
And let's go to chapter 12. And let's go to verse 33. Now, Moses has come. He's brought all these judgments upon the Egyptians. And the Egyptians have now had a change of heart, a change of attitude. And it says in verse 33, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, where they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened and their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on the shoulders. And the people of Israel had also done as the Moses had told them. And they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered. The Egyptians. So, as it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 14, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now, it's interesting to also see what happens with them as they come out of that land with great possessions. Turn with me now to Deuteronomy chapter 1. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, and let's look at verse 9. At that time, I said to you, I'm not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as what? So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, he says, hey, you may not have a descendant today, but they're going to be as numerous as the stars of heaven. And sure enough, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy happens right before they go into the promised land. And they are being reminded of the law. They're being reminded of all the things that the Lord has done for them. And Moses says, today, you are as numerous as the stars of heaven. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy. Let's go to verse chapter 10, and let's go to verse 22. He says here, Your fathers went down to Egypt. How many people? How many? Seventy. And now the Lord your God has made you what? as numerous as the stars of heaven. Folks, you know, it was probably 600 years after 
Abram was given this promise. But here it is. There's numerous as the stars of heaven. Folks, never forget, God is faithful. He's going to take care of you. He's going to act when it is time. Not before, but on time. Amen? Let's go to um, First Chronicles, chapter 27. And one of the things you see here in in uh, First Chronicles chapter 27 is they're looking at the military uh, divisions and they're looking at the leaders of the tribes. And and one of the things that you see here in verse 23 it says, David did not count those below 20 years of age, for the Lord had promised to make Israel as many as the stars of heaven. Let's now go to Hebrews chapter 11. And let's go to um, verse 13. Oh, verse 12, I'm sorry. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. See, this idea that they would be as the stars of heaven is a very important idea in, the, in, the, in Hebrew thought. And this is why this is repeated over and over again throughout the scriptures. Let's go back to Genesis 15. And let's look at verse 15. 15, 15. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 25. Let's take a look at verse 7. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. 
175 years. Abram breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. So he lived a long time. You know, you get you get um, his sons, his first his first son through through Hagar, Ishmael, and then you have the son of promise, Isaac. And how old was he when Isaac came along? A hundred. He was around a hundred years old. You know, he was thinking, and a lot of people were thinking, yeah, this guy, he's, he's too old for this. But folks, you and I serve a faithful God who's capable of doing great and mighty things on your behalf, who works out every little detail in your life to conform you to the image of Christ. Verse 16. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. You know, um, this is a rather interesting verse. One of the things that we see time and time again in Scripture is the patience and loving kindness of our God. Now, there's an end to that patience. And if people do not repent, there is a time of wrath. There is a time of judgment. So here's the situation. The Amorites, from this point to the time that the Israelites come into the land, have hundreds of years to repent. Hundreds. And yet, they don't. Let's take a look at Joshua chapter 2. Now, in Joshua chapter 2, you have the 12 spies. They go into the land. They're scouting things out, and, and, you know, they're being pursued. But Rahab, the harlot, she takes these guys in. She hides them. And verse 8 says, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, 
and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and to Og, and how you, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. See, they knew who these people were. They knew who Yahweh was. They had heard of the things that God has done and the things that God was doing. And before, when they left Egypt, it was over 40 years before they came into that land. And they heard about time after time after time how God had defeated people. And it had hundreds of years before that. Hundreds of years to repent. But the time comes when God's patience is over. The time comes when there is judgment. And he uses his people, he uses Israel to deliver that judgment. Because they go into the land and they start taking over the cities. And God, you know, he sends this angel beforehand. He sends wasps. He sends all sorts of things. But he begins to clean that land out because the sinfulness of the Amorites and all the others, well, they never repented. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 16. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And you know, a lot of times, the presence of the Lord is seen with fire. Remember, how the Lord appeared to them when they came out of Egypt. There's a pillar of cloud in the day, and at night, a pillar of fire. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of the Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Just in case you think he forgot anybody. He was going to take care of all of them. And all of this land was promised to them. Now, have they ever taken possession of all that land? No, they have not. But they will, because our God is a faithful God. Rest assured, he will. Now, one of the things I was saying earlier is when you look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, this idea 
that they would be as the stars of heaven is it's an important idea. And you see it you see this idea fleshed out in a number of ways throughout scripture and I just want to follow one of those threads. Let's go to Numbers chapter 24. And let's go to verse 15. And what you have is Balaam. And Balaam is this prophet. And he's been asked by Israel's enemies to curse Israel. But here's what happens instead. Verse 15. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down the sons of Sheth. Edom shall also be dispossessed, and Seir also his enemies shall also be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly, and one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of the cities. Okay. He says, a star shall come out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So Jacob, who's also later named Israel, has a son, Judah. And to Judah is promised, well, his is the line of the kings. And there's one king in particular who's going to be coming from this line. Who's going to judge all of these nations around Israel. Let's now go to Jeremiah chapter 33. And this is verse 19. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that the night will not come, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and my covenant with the Levitical priests and my ministers, as the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David my servant and the Levitical priests who minister before me. So once again, he's saying, look, 
I made a promise to David, just like I made a promise to, to Abram and to Isaac and to Jacob. You want me to break this promise? You know what it's going to take? You're going to have to be able to stop the sun from coming up at its appointed time and from nighttime to coming in at its appointed time. Good luck with that. So one of the things that you see is he's pointing to the, the stars over and over again. Now let's go to Matthew. Let's go to chapter 2. Start with verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, king, Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And this points back to the prophecy in Numbers chapter 24. Now let's take a look at one more verse. Let's go to the book of the Revelation. And let's go to chapter 22. In verse 16, he says this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Now, folks, if you know Jesus Christ, you know that he is that bright and morning star that gives you hope. That bright and morning star that you can guide yourself by. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're in a land of darkness without any light. Now, you know, I, I know a lot of people here. I, I don't know everybody here. And, you know, you can fool me, and, and that's pretty easy to do. And, and I could perhaps fool you, but we cannot fool God. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know the bright morning star? Or are you alone in a land of darkness without light? No matter where you are, no matter what your situation, 
If you will repent today, you can know him. You can be saved from your sins. And you can be reborn, remade to glorify Jesus Christ and to shine like a star of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I I just pray that you'd be with every person here. Lord, for those who know you, I, I just pray that, Lord, that they would draw closer to you. That they would strive to get every aspect of their lives in line with your word and in line with your will. And that they would glorify you in their lives. But Lord, if, if there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, we, we pray that you'd open the eyes of their understanding. We pray that you would speak to them, that you would change their hearts, change their minds, draw them to you, and that they would respond today. and that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ.